Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to Talk Money. Talk Money is dedicated to assisting you this in this confusing financial world where you're exposed to more information than ever. The next hour will serve as a training and coaching to support you in developing your financial roadmap. What we're here to do is to help you achieve your financial dreams and goals. Talk Money is about health care, stocks, bonds, retirement, estate planning, insurance. You know, everything about financial, that's us at Talk Money. Our guests, they bring their insights and their perspectives. Remember, planning is not about the plan. It is about the results. You know, you're looking back in the last week in the news, investors continue to focus on politics. Remember, economic growth, corporate earnings, and inflation are far more important than politics. Trump again sent shockwaves through—he does it again—through the political world with his Twitter account. Uh, even the GOP begins to urge him to stop, maybe even to take it away from him. Uh, they say, is he a fighter or a bully? That's the question. Politics, remember this, this is important, do not seem to be affecting the factors that actually drive financial markets. Tech stocks this week tumbled and pushed stocks down, yet that's not tied to politics. Janet Yellen says no crisis, no bank crisis in our lifetime. Banks are strong. That's good news. Keep your emotions. Remember that. Keep your emotions out of your investment decisions. Today's program, you can't believe it's packed. One big question that we get from you, and that's those of you that listen on a regular basis, this is what you've asked us. Why should you check your credit history and credit score? And what are the factors that affect your credit score? Well, that's going to be our discussion today. It's centered around Credit 101, how to handle your credit. And that's in the first half of the program. In the second half, you know, if you're selecting an advisor, you're going through the process, you want some help, somebody to give you good counsel, Question, what should you ask? Is uh, any question too personal to ask a person who you're thinking about working with as your personal financial advisor? Any question too hard? What do you expect for an answer? Well, these are questions that we're going to look at as far as what do you do when you're selecting advisor? How do you go through that process? My guest today, Beth Harris. She is the Director of Education for Confluent Strategies. And Frank Lacarica, who is a financial advisor for Shoemaker Financial. We're talking about Credit 101, how to handle credit, and questions that you want to ask if you're thinking about selecting a financial advisor. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this.
podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs. It's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Jim Shoemaker and Frank LaCarica are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. To remind you, the Talk Money is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm, estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. That's the Bailey Law Firm. As I told you during the monologue, the guest I have at the first half of the program is Beth Harris, Director of Education of Confluent Strategies. And this is a firm that is dedicated to, I think, more Corporately, you look at credit where you're helping corporations no credit or individual retailers no credit. But I guess, guess Beth, to help us out, what who is Confluent Strategies? Confluent Strategies is a sales agent for Equifax, and we are um, we go out to banks and credit unions and we sell them products for Equifax to help them better position themselves in the market to help their clients, their customers, their customers. So now, that, go, go ahead. No, just so that they um, have the best products available to their customers to help them position position themselves when they apply for credit so that they have the best rates and the best product. Okay. So what I what we've gotten is a question, and this is the question that you have asked us. And again, we always want to remind you that if you've got a question for Talk Money, just send it to Talk Money at ShoemakerFinancial.com. We'll get the question. It you know we'll get answer it as quick as we can for you. The reality is we work around and we we'll try to do a show about it, and that's really what it's all about. So, but in this particular question, Beth, here it's kind of one of those things. Why? Because you hear all this, you know, check your check your credit score, check your credit score. Question: Why should I check my credit score, and how often should I check my credit score? Your credit history and your credit score are very important to understand and know when you're getting ready to apply for credit. If you have a low credit score, it's going to signify that you have possible some problem credit information. Maybe you have some late pays, um, past due information, some collections. You'll need to clear those up before you apply for credit. So you need to uh, uh, pull a credit report with freecreditreport.com you can go out and do that to understand where are my problems, where do I need to correct those before I go and apply for credit with a lender. Okay. Now, Frank Lacarica is also with us of Shoemaker Financial. Frank, when you're working with someone, do you ever get into a discussion with someone about maybe trying to work, help them understand what's going on in their credit? Or is that something that clients come to you and ask? Hey, we, we get the question um Often when, when when either we're we're looking at, at life events, you know, some someone's someone's had a baby, and all of a sudden the the hot rod sports car is just not going to get Junior or, or, or your little daughter to and from uh, to and from daycare anymore. Maybe we need to buy a new car. 
Uh, similarly, uh, homes. You know, we're we're looking at, uh, at, at at moving, expanding. We need more square footage. We need less square footage. We're 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 in a in a situation in life that requires us to to make uh, a rather large change, and typically those revolve around your credit score. Uh, the, the options available to you uh, are either uh, significantly expanded or contracted, depending on how reliable you are as a borrower. That makes a lot of sense. That's very good. Well, Beth, let me say so. I've looked at my credit score because mm-hmm. I was thinking about as, as Frank says, a house, a car, mm-hmm. some thinking, something that's going to require me to apply for credit. Right. I I guess I've discovered something that maybe I didn't even know was there. Right. Uh, what do I do? How long does information like that stay on my credit score, and what do I need to do to get it off? Negative information can stay on your file for up to seven years. If the information is inaccurate, you can dispute that information. What you would need to do is go to the credit reporting agency, which would be Equifax, TransUnion, or Experian, either one, um, depending on what credit report you found it on. Dispute that information with the credit reporting agency. They, in turn, will go to that creditor that is reporting that negative information indicate that the consumer is disputing it, they will investigate to see if they have reported it inaccurately. Mm. If they have, then they will correct it and correct their credit report, which then, if they correct it, it will improve their score, and they'll take that off of the report. Beth, you have a long history in the banking industry. I mean, just, you know, and and you're not that old. You must have started when you were 10, (laughs) so I like that. Younger. Is that still a child labor law here that we have a problem? <laughs> That's great. No. But so a history of banking. Okay. So now let me ask this question because I know I see this a lot. I see people, they have a dispute. It's a $450 dispute with someone. And, uh, you know, I owe the money to you. You're, in, you're a, a, a business a mm-hmm. retailer, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you're saying I owe it and I'm saying I paid it. And finally, at some point in time, I'm just not going to. Pay it. I'm, you know, stubborn. Um, my wife says that may be the case, you know, <laughs> never mind. But the reality is I've just elected not to pay it. So it's on my credit score, right? You, right. You, how do I deal with that? Because I am not, I mean, now I'm to the point where I've dug myself, you know, kind of a hole, a little bit of, you know, I'm just not going to pay it. You need to understand you, I paid you or whatever. What happens? What happens is if the creditor says, No, it's a debt you owe. It is a legitimate debt. And you, as the consumer, say, I'm just not going to pay it. You have to understand, it is going to stay on your credit file. What's my recourse? You really don't have recourse. If it's a debt that you owe and you're not going to... But I'm disputing that I don't owe it. And the creditor says you do owe it. And they they have documentation. They win. If they have documentation to support it is a debt you owe then you, you have to pay it, and if you don't, it's going to negatively impact you. All right, you. let's talk about that. So stubbornness doesn't work in this case. does not work. All right, so if you're listening and you decided that you owe $400 to somebody and stubbornness is where you are at this point, Beth says that doesn't work. Does not. If you just tuned in, we're talking to, you know, the key is we're talking to somebody who knows the answers, Beth Harris. She's the Director of Education at Confluent Strategies, Credit 101, how to handle your credit. We just found out, very important, Frank, this is for you, you know, stubbornness doesn't work. 
Jim, my wife says I am not stubborn. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about? <laughs> well, I know what my wife would say. You know, I also know what your wife would say too. But you know, Beth, that's what happens to us. Sometimes we get into that scenario, and we're thinking that we can do that, and you're really saying to us, you can't. That's exactly right. That's important for us. Okay. So how long does, you know, this day, you said seven years, and I want to remove it. I've got to contact a creditor. I've got to work through a solution with them. Got to come to a compromise. Compromise might be pay half of it. I'll go away. You go away. Exactly. But you got to work through it. You got to work through it. You cannot just simply ignore it and say, I'm not going to do it. No. All right. How do you get a free copy? Now, a lot of people I've been told are here, or I've been, you know, people say this. If you go in and check your credit report, every time you check your credit report, you're affecting your credit. Is that true? No, it's not true. Annually, you are uh, you can get a copy of your credit report if you go to annualcreditreport.com. Everyone, um, by law, is allowed to get a copy of the credit report. Um, every 12 months, you can get a copy from Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, all three. You are not impacted. It does not show as an inquiry that you've received a copy of that. Um, I suggest everyone do that. Everyone who knows they have good credit or bad credit, everyone should do that. Number one, just to ensure that all the information is accurate that's being reported. Number two, to make sure that there's no fraud that has been um, committed against them. We all know that fraud is prevalent right now. That's the first line of defense. Look at your credit report to see if you maybe you've been a victim of fraud and you don't know it. So you need to go online and request a copy of freecreditreport.com. Okay, now, Beth, I, I've done that, and I look at this piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And I hate to admit this, and I do this for a living. They're not the easiest to understand. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, this is my line. How did I pay? I mean, tell me how to ex, you know, explain to us and Okay, eighth grade language for us, okay? How do we understand reading and knowing that we're okay? You go over the score sometimes, but you may have a score that looks like 600 or 400 or something, but your credit may be okay if you just take care of a few things. Tell us how to improve it. The thing on the the free credit report that you get annually, you're not going to get the score, first of all. If you want to get the score, you're going to have to pay for that, and that can range from $5 to $10, depending on the credit bureau. Um, what you have to look for is at the top, it usually will reflect if you have any collections, judgments, bankruptcy reportings, that's going to reflect at the top of the report. Okay, and you usually know that already. You usually should know that. But verify that what they're yes. saying is what you know. Correct. Then you get down into the body of the report, you're going to see the individual trade lines that's reported, your credit cards, um, your department stores, your visas, your MasterCards. Then you'll get your installment loans, which could be your auto loans, your recreational vehicles. If you've gotten unsecured loans, those are a report. Make sure that they don't show any 30-day past dues, 60-day past dues. And it will show you how many times maybe you've been 30 days. You've mortgage loans, look at that. If you've bought a home, you'll have your mortgage loan on there. Make sure that that's reporting accurately. Just go across, let read left to right for each trade line and look for anything that shows that whether you've paid it late or not. And your experience when you, I mean, I know you've counseled people, you've sat down with people in the banking industry with, you know, with Confluent, all, I mean, a, a lot of history where you've had, 
What do you see that the consumer struggles with most with their credit? What is that? What is that surfaces on a regular basis? The thing that we see the most, I think, has to do with revolving debt. Um, credit card debt. Credit card debt, yes. They Consumers believe if I just pay my credit cards on time, I should be fine. But it's the utilization of those credit cards. If they have a large line of credit and they use all of that line of credit, if they keep the balance equal to the line amount, that can negatively impact their score because the score looks at utilization of the line. What they need to try to do is to keep their balance less than 50% of the total credit line. All right, let me make sure I understand that. Credit line's $10,000, $5,000. It's usually an easy number. Right. So you're saying keep keep the balance that you owe less than, in this case, if it's five twenty five hundred dollars Yes. Don't allow yourself to get to that maximum of 5000 and just make minimum and payments. And stay there, exactly, because that is going to have a negative impact on your credit score. Now, you have that line up there. It's available to use, but if you're going to use it, have the ability to pay it back down quickly because it is going to affect your credit score to the negative. So use it, pay it down. But if you have to maintain a balance for an extended period of time, make sure it's only a small portion of the total line. Don't use it Very, all. very important. Frank, have you had to work with people on this? I have. Um, and and uh, one of the questions I often get, Beth, and maybe you can you can help me uh, kind of relay uh, correct information here, is is there a magic number with regards to how many credit cards a person should have, or is it more uh, the total amount of, of debt utilized? It's more about the total debt utilized, but it also looks of no total number of trades the age of the trades. So it, it takes all of that into consideration. You want to you don't want to have a lot of new credit out there. That's going to have a negative impact on your score. So you want your credit line, your credit to be aged, obviously. You don't want to apply for a lot of new credit all at one time. That's going to negatively impact your score. But if you have credit cards, make sure that if you have a lot of them that you're not using all of them to the full extent of the line. Keep the balances down lower. They, the, the scoring models want to see usage and paying it back on time, but they don't want to see you using it fully and keeping it up there. Now, is the age-old myth of closing a credit card as damaging to my credit, is that true? It could be. It could be because if you have a credit card that you've had for, say, six years and You close it down, which you have now taken out a $5,000 line, and now your total utilization has jumped from, let's say, 50% up to 75% because of the number of credit cards you now have left. Your utilization has jumped. That could have a negative impact. So if you have a credit card that maybe you're just not using anymore, but you've had it a long time, and you have other credit cards with balances, I would keep that credit card open. Just don't use it. Just don't use it as much. What yes. about a new credit card that you're not using? I mean, I have people that have said, well, I've, so I'm overweighted to know these others, and I'm trying to pay them down, but I needed that credit card, that extra credit card. You know what I'm saying? That kind of that, that safety net. I mean, I don't see that as a safety net, but that's what I've heard. That's where people have come to me and say, ask. 
if it is someone who had went out and opened a brand new credit card because they felt like they needed that additional mm-hmm. line mm-hmm. for emergencies, um, you know, it's kind of a catch-22. It's given them additional utilization, which has dropped that total utilization. Could, it could lift their score a little bit, but then it's dropped it because they have a new line out there. So the age of the account is affecting their yeah, score. Yeah, I get that. So you got to manage this. you got to manage really it. you got to pay attention to exactly. what you're doing. So. You know, if you just tuned in again, Beth, uh, you know, Beth is doing a great job. Beth Harris, she is the Director of Education for Confluent Strategies. We're talking about Credit 101. Now, listen to us, the guys. This is, this, is, this is important because so many times, so often, especially in a time when the economy seems to be lifting its head and doing better, we start spending more, and a lot of times we do that on credit. And managing your credit is what we're talking about. Taking the time to think through this and to know how to manage it. Beth's given us some great advice. And when we come back, she's going to help us understand specifically how do you dispute a credit card information. I mean, they've sent you something. It's not quite what you thought. It, you don't agree with it. Well, guess what? How do you go through that process? Because I, it's not easy. And some people are intimidated by it, and therefore they don't do it. We're going to give you the information, so stay with us. You're listening to Talk Money. This is The Voice, FM 107.9 and KWAM AM 990, The Voice Talk Radio for the Mid-South. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We'll be right back after this. sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Shoemaker Financial and Securing Financial Services do not provide specific tax and or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and or legal situation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, my guest today, Beth Harris, Director of Education, Confluent Strategies. Frank Lecarica, he is an advisor at Shoemaker Financial. We're talking about, right now, specifically about credit reports and how do you manage your credit report? How do you manage your credit? Great program. You need to be paying attention because there's a lot of information. Sometimes we deal with misinformation. We're trying to clean some of that up, and you got some questions coming up in a few minutes that you do not want to miss. And in the second half, Frank Lecarica is going to help us understand some questions that you might be asking a financial advisor if you were thinking about working with a financial advisor. Sometimes we're so... Uh, you know, the client walks in, they, they're intimidated or whatever. It's just they don't know what to ask. Well, Frank's going to give us some very specific questions that you should lean in to ask that advisor that you're interviewing to see if they might be the person to work with. Beth, we had talked about before the break all the issues managing your credit report. But let's specifically, I really want to know, how do you dispute? I mean, here I got a case, I and mean, we talked about you know, I'm arguing with a retailer that I paid the bill. They said no, and I'm being stubborn. And so, but it's still going to be on my credit report. But there is a mistake somewhere. I found one. I looked at it, and I know I, that's not right. So, mm-hmm. how do I how do I bring that to someone's attention? 
it can be intimidating. It can sure. be almost like, oh, my goodness, this is too hard. And yet, if you don't deal with it, it does affect your credit score. And as Frank said earlier, you're buying a car, getting a mortgage or whatever, and you're stuck and you haven't done it. Now you've got to go in and do it, and it's too late. You, you know, things are moving. So how do you deal with it when you find it out? There are two ways that you can file a dispute. You can go direct to the credit reporting agency, and there is a process that they can help you with to spe- give specific information about what you're disputing, and they will forward that dispute to the creditor for them to investigate. Creditor will investigate it and respond to it to the credit reporting agency. Very simple, no fee associated with it whatsoever. That is a right for the consumer to dispute any inaccurate information that they believe to be reported. What should they have when they make that phone call or they go on in line? Should they have what information? Well, it's always good to have documentation to back up what they are disputing. Just to say, I believe that yeah. it's inaccurate is not sufficient. They need to have some evidence to support that this information is inaccurate. Okay. It always helps their case. Gotcha. And it will speed along the process, obviously. A second way is to go direct to the creditor, to your bank credit union. Go to them directly. Now, if you're going to write them a letter, don't write a letter and say the information you're reporting is inaccurate. Again, be very specific because if you give a very general letter, you're not going to get anywhere with that. They're going to send a response back to say either we need more information, this is frivolous or irrelevant, we can't pursue this. Give us more information. All right. Now, let's make sure everybody understands that the, they are going to respond to you. Yes. They want to work with you, yes. but you've got to be specific. Yes. It can't be, I believe, or I think so, or, you know, apparently this, this retailer didn't do right, whatever. Make sure you go through a very specific, just be kind of a, you know, a, a person who's saying, here's all the evidence that says you're wrong and here's why. Exactly. And then back that up. Exactly. If you made a payment and it did not get posted timely, accurately, or to the right account, and you have a copy of your canceled check, send a copy of that canceled check with your dispute. Wonderful. Perfect evidence. Good, good. You know, I I think people need to understand things do happen. Mistakes are made. I mean, I just had one recently where somebody was supposed to have sent me a check, and uh, they didn't. And, you know, it was, uh, I mean, I said, well, send me a copy of the, you know, cancel check. They didn't have it. Well, it was that whole, it was just a process. They thought, literally thought they had. Now, what ended up happening? Everybody worked through it, turned around, sent me the check. Now, here's the point. Everybody worked together in the process of coming to a solution instead of he said, she said, you know, whatever, I believe this and that. And that's what you're saying here. Just be very professional with it. Work your way through it. Banks, credit reunions are more than willing to work with you. Exactly. Banks have thousands and thousands of consumers. They need information to help them do their research. That's critical for us. Frank, you had mentioned something during the break. Yeah, uh, Beth, with with the with the current environment of healthcare, rising deductibles, rising out-of-pocket costs, how are medical bills going to impact a individual's credit report and credit scoring moving forward? The um, credit scoring models have different versions um, with each year or every couple of years, there are new versions that come out that the credit bureaus use. The most late, the latest version that's out there right now, the medical collections are not included in the credit score. They're excluded altogether. 
So um, your bank may be on the latest version. I don't know. You we, you would have to ask. Um, some are still on old versions, but if they're on the new version, the medical collections are excluded and do not impact your score whatsoever. Is that new collections? Are these old collections? Is any, it retro? Any, any, any medical collection. Are there any other items that could be reported that are previously on there that in the future will be removed? Yes. Um, starting tomorrow, there is a change the CFPB has mandated that judgments and tax liens um, that are reported by the the government, the, the courthouse, um, when those are filed, they have to be filed with qualifying information on that consumer. If they are not, then they cannot be reported to the credit reporting agency. So existing tax liens and judgments that are out there right now that do not have qualifying consumer information are going to be removed. So what we're going to see is probably consumers that have information out there with judgments and tax liens that are going to fall off, and we're going to see some scores that are going to probably improve because of it. I think that's great information. Now, when we come back, we're going to go to Rebecca Brazier here in a second with the Mid-South History Moment. But when we come back, Beth, I want to ask you, this is a question. It's a loaded question, okay? CFPB. We'll talk about what is CF. Most everybody knows what CFPB stands for. I'll tell you about it when we come back. But, uh, Beth, I want your opinion because it was designed to be positive. And I'm not so sure it's working the way it is. So when we come back, CFPB. Find out more about it. Uh, give you a little bit of a hint. Consumer. And uh, it's run by the federal government. Enough said. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to FM 107.9 and AM 990, The Voice. And this is Talk Radio. And you're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We'll be right back after this. have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. When the United States declared war on Germany in 1917, Alvin York faced the greatest crisis of his life. At once a convinced pacifist and a courageous patriot, York struggled to reconcile his duty to his country with his conscience. Persuaded by fellow soldiers that the Allied cause was just, York entered the war determined to make sure his side won. During a battle in northern France, just before the armistice, York went behind enemy lines to take out heavy German machine gun positions. After capturing the headquarters of a German unit and losing some of his comrades in the process, York charged the machine gun nest. None of the German soldiers succeeded in hitting York, who had only his pistol. After killing only six soldiers in the charge, York forced the rest of the unit to surrender, taking 132 prisoners. York was awarded the Medal of Honor for his brave actions, and his story is a reminder to us all of the success that courage brings when it is motivated by conscience. 
This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Jim Shoemaker. My guest, Beth Harris, Director of Education and Confluence Strategies, Frank, Frank Lacarica, Shoemaker Financial and Financial Advisor. We're talking about Credit 101 and questions to ask when selecting advisor. Before the break, I talked about the CFPB. And uh, I'll, it's the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Um, consumer, I get that. Financial, I get that. Protection, I'm concerned about that. And Bureau. What's your thoughts, Beth? Um, my thoughts is... Um, Remember doing radio right now. Yes. So. <laughs> Live radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, the agency has done some good things for consumers. It has um, educated them a great deal, the education they didn't have prior to it. Correct. Um, it has created a lot of additional burden on institutions, financial institutions, over the last few years. Um, complaints have been tremendous that the consumers have filed. The CFPB has a consumer complaint database that anyone can access. If they go to uh, the CFPB's website, you can search on your bank, your credit union, to see if anyone has filed a complaint against them. Um, If you've filed a complaint, you can go look at the status of it to see um, how it's been processed. Very informative. CFPB has a lot of good education information out there. Um, what you need to know before you buy a home. Um, what they are working toward right now, and we've seen a lot in um, the news, is Richard Cordray is the head of the CFPB. He was appointed by the president, um, President Obama. The um, There is a big push right now for a bipartisan committee to oversee that, which I think would be very appropriate in this situation. It does seem like, though, in all seriousness, and I, I mean, I think we can do this, is that it has been somewhat a partisan very much bureau, so. and that's not what it was supposed to be. Correct. And it, it started, I think, the, the the thought process, the theory, no question it needed to be done. It came basically out of the bank crisis. I mean, and yet it's funded by the Federal Reserve, which I have yet to figure that one out because there's no control there whatsoever. It's just an open bank account, and it's an enormous amount of money. A lot of money. A lot of money going there. And yet, at the same time, is it really accomplishing in theory or in results what the theory was supposed to have done? I mean, it is, I say, partisan. When you look at some of the enforcement actions that have come down over the last few years, there are some that you look at and go, okay, those those were good. Mm. Those needed to happen. No question. There are others that you look at and you wonder, hmm, wow, that was far-reaching on that one. Not sure how they arrived at that conclusion. Um, that's why we feel it's very appropriate for a bipartisan committee. You know, there's no question that the financial crisis of 2007, 2008 was totally unacceptable. Not, you know, the, I mean, we could go into that as a whole show right. if you really want to. Not per, not decent, no reason to do that. But 
you need to have, when you have a bureau federally funded, the government, it needs to function as a bipartisan. Absolutely. And I think that's Absolutely. Yeah. Correct. Well, Beth, great program. Thank you so much. I appreciate what you've talked about. We'll come back to you in just a second. But I want to turn to Frank Lacarico. What are some of the questions that you should be asking when you are interviewing a financial advisor? Now, you know, here's the thought. What Frank, I asked Frank to do, I said, Frank, try your best to be on the other side of the table and think about questions that, that you would want to ask if you were the person interviewing the advisor. Well, here's the reality. I mean, it is uh, it is so critical that you listen to the program because so many times we notice that people come into the office and don't know the questions to ask. So Frank's done a great job of putting some of these together. Uh, pay attention to them. There, there, there are going to be three or four that we're going to really dive into. Frank, what's the first question that you would think would be, from from what you prepared for for our listeners, would be the first question that they should be asking. Well, Jim, I, I feel like it's the most important question to ask when you're vetting any individual, whether it be a financial professional, whether it be a medical professional, whether it be a loan officer, whether it be uh, a teacher. Uh, I want to know what your credentials are. Mm-hmm. What qualifies you to provide advice to me with regards to the subject I am interested in? Uh, so often, and, and I, I, this is something I... I there's no real regulation with the term financial advisor, mm. and that kind of bothers me. Mm. Anybody can say, hey, I'm a financial – what makes somebody a financial advisor? Run their history. Get on Fender Broker Check. Make sure that they're, they're qualified to give the advice that they're going to be giving. Have they passed uh, their state and federal tests? Are they knowledgeable? Now, obviously, if they have – does uh, some 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 uh, additional designations the the CFP if they're CPA CFAs uh, that that indicates a, a level of higher study and, and obviously would be so but uh, credentials qualifications absolutely front and foremost in your mind as a client when interviewing a professional is that a tough question or should anybody hesitate to ask that question you know I I think uh, from from a client standpoint I feel that that. Oftentimes, people are afraid of uh, offending someone. Right. And I don't feel that that you should have any any cause for, for feeling that way because we're, we're talking about a relationship that spans your entire life. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't something I'm going to meet with you once and I'm never going to talk to you again. I, I want to make sure that if I'm entrusting not only my well-being, my family's well-being, my children's well-being, my grandchildren's well-being— a charitable institution that I feel you know strongly about its well-being. I want to make sure that that all this is in the right hands. Yeah, that's a good point. That's you know I think that's so important. So, so first question is, what are your credentials? Absolutely. Is that including experience? I mean, do you want to know the person's experience and what they're doing? I, I would want to know their experience. Absolutely. I, I want to know, you know, how long have you been? How long have you been doing this? What's your background? Uh, you know, if, if it's a well, everybody's seen the the commercial with the uh, the, the CFP board put out go. where you know he's well, th- this is the advice I want to give you, and then he flips the screen around. He says, "Well, yesterday I was a DJ." So <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's funny, but it's not because there are there are people out there that that run into this every day and they're they're putting their financial world in someone's hands who is and I don't want to say incapable because that's not the right word but I'd want to make sure they're vetted 
Yeah, that's important. CFP, uh, the board, I appreciate them putting that out. And we we believe as a firm that the certified financial planner designation is important. Well, all right. Now, that's the first question. What are your credentials? What are your experience? What would you want to know then the second question? What would be the second thing? The second question would be, I'd want to know... You know, what resources available to you? Who's on your team? Are, are you a solo practitioner? Are you part of an office? Are you part of a larger team? Are you a senior partner? Are you a junior partner? What structure, what support structure do you have set up to support you? Because it's not just about you. It's about me, too. Mm. And I want to know what resources, what what team do you have available to you to best provide advice and guidance for me and my family. Well, I know at Shoemaker Financial, that's one of the things that we really try to to build around someone is that that team approach where our financial planning department. So that's what you're saying. A solo practitioner can be a very personable, excellent advisor, but maybe just not quite have the depth sometimes that the client may need. Absolutely. There, there, there may be you know, complicated tax advice, compliment, co- complicated uh, estate advice that, uh, that, that might be outside the breadth of, 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 of area of expertise. And also when, when you get into the, to the realm of solo practitioners' succession, what happens if you're not around? That's so critical. You're listening to Talk Money. This is The Voice. You're listening to AF, a, AFM, AM 990 and FM 107.9, The Voice. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We'll be back in a few minutes. We're listening to Talk Money. Frank Lacarica and Beth Harris will be back just right after this. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at the Bailey Law Firm. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs. It's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Shoemaker Financial and Securing Financial Services are not affiliated with Beth Harris or Confluent Strategies. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And we're talking with Frank Lacarico. The questions that you would like to ask or you should be asking if you're selecting a financial advisor. Frank gave us the first one, said, what are you, what's your experience? What's your credentials? And I think that's so critical because you, I mean, he mentioned it. And I think, Frank, you're right on track. Tax, uh, I mean, the whole idea of a time, don't, we don't give tax advice. We don't give legal advice. So, therefore, you're not looking for someone with a licensed, uh, you know, CPA or something, unless they happen to be a CPA doing planning. But the key is the word advisor, the term advisor, is unregulated. So, ask the question. Give me your experience. Tell me what your credentials are. The second question is who is on your team? Are you a solo practitioner? How long have you been, you know, they've been working with you? And what's your experience with that area of your team? And what what can you depend on from the team to bring to the table in support of you, the client? Now, 
That's two questions, right? Right. What would you say would be the third question? I'd say uh, the third question, equally as important as the first two, you know, what standard do you work under with regards to your client? What do you mean by that? Well, there's there's two standards. There's fiduciary and there's suitability, and they are distinctly different. Uh, A suitability relationship means I am recommending products that are suitable for your needs, and that is open to all types of interpretation. How suitable is it? Uh, I, if you come in, I need life insurance. Here's some life insurance. So, you know, a fiduciary response, a fiduciary relationship is, uh, is, is a much more, um, involved relationship. Uh, I am required to act in your best interest as a client at all times. So from the client standpoint, extremely important to, to, to sit down and, and know that it's not just you're not just recommending products that you think might fit a need or or fill some gap or hole uh, in my financial world. I want to know that you are required mm. to act in my best interest. So the fiduciary is required, is required, what you're saying. Required, absolutely. Suitability, it sounds like you're saying suitability is a one-time thing, that it, I do it today, it's, a trans- it's suitable. It's a transactional relationship. It's suitable today, yeah. right, transactionally. I'm not worried about it going forward. No. Well, I... No. <laughs> Don't you like short answers? Uh, no, no. It's 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 very in the moment. It's transactional here. This fits your needs right now. Uh, fiduciary, you know, it's a it's a it's a, it's a long term thing. You know, it it's it's about fitting needs now, fitting needs later. Uh, fiduciary before suitability. If I was a client, just ask the question. I would ask the question and say, you know, what uh, what condition are we working? Yeah, I think that's important. And don't be intimidated to ask the question. No, what I, you're saying. All right, let's look at the last question. And you said, how will you make money from this particular relationship? Now, now let me let me say this. I think a lot of people kind of hesitate to ask that question. Yeah, it sounds like a little personal question, but mm-hmm. you're saying. If you're going to understand the relationship, that's an okay, okay question. I think it's a fair question. Uh, and uh, for whatever reason, uh, we feel today there's there's uh, there's a there's a faux pas around it. It's 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 an untouchable area. I don't want to know how you make money. I don't want to know how much money you make. Uh, these are fair questions. I want to know how you're being compensated. Uh, I need to know this because I, are you recommending products simply because they are you know high load products and you're going to make a whole lot of money off of it, or are you working strictly from a fee based standpoint? You know I'm I'm going to charge you a fee and then we're going to put together a plan and there's going to be products that are you know need to be implemented from there. You can do it here, you can do it elsewhere. These are all questions that need to be asked. I I feel like from a from a client standpoint, I want to know how my advisor is going to be paid off of this. It's going to. It could impact recommendations. How how the relationship kind of moves forward from there. So so I, I've heard. Number one is what's your credentials. You know mm-hmm. that's that's important. What's the experience? Who's on your team? Those are critical things. You know, can can I expect a lot out of this deal? Are you just a solo, or is there a team behind you? Knowing the standard that you're working on, suitability versus fiduciary, and then last but not least, how are you getting paid? How are you getting paid? Uh, you know, those are questions that you need to go into any type of situation where you're working with it, trying to define an advisor. Remember, the term advisor is not regulated, so be sure you're willing to ask the questions and don't 
feel intimidated if someone seems to push back uh, on any question that you're asking. So, Frank, thank you very much. I think those were four major questions that we need to always let people know this is how you engage someone who's going to help you with your financial life. Beth, I appreciate so much the, the conversation we had about credit how to manage your credit report, the reality that don't be stubborn. You know, if you're going to be stubborn, it's going to stay on your record. Uh, The reality of so many things. Give me a summary statement for our listeners. What would you want them to know specifically when they think about managing credit? When you're thinking about managing your credit, I encourage everyone, first of all, get a copy of your credit report annually. Be educated. Know what's on your file from all three bureaus because not All creditors report to all three bureaus. So you need to know what's out there. If you see something that's not accurate, dispute it. Get it corrected. That way that you have the most accurate information on there before you go apply for credit. If you're going to buy a home, you're going to buy a car, make sure the information is accurate. You have the best possible information to get the best possible rates and products available to you. All right. Perfect. Always make sure, don't hesitate is what you're saying. Exactly. To dispute something, manage your credit report. Exactly. Don't play games with that because you may need it and you need to know it before you are applying. So excellent, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. That's Beth Harris. She is the Director of Education at Confluence Strategies. Frank Lacarica. Great questions, thoughts, and provoking things for helping someone choose an advisor, Frank. Thank you today for today's program. Producer and board operator, it's been Gil Worth. Does a great job for us, always doing what he needs to do, keeps us in line. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. My production assistant, Eleanor Moskovich, and compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment is written by Drew Johnson and read by Rebecca Brazier. Always very professional, and we appreciate what they do. You're listening to FM 107.9 and AM 990, The Voice, talk radio for the Mid-South. This is Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thank you for listening. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Frank Lacarica are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.